All right, welcome to episode 82 of Defy the Norm podcast. So in this episode, we want to really help people who want to make a change in their life, but we're not necessarily limiting that to moving into an RV because I really don't think moving into an RV is like everybody's answer. But I do think a lot of people are questioning uh, where they are in their life and deciding like, is it time to make a change? How do I make a change? So we're gonna talk a lot about programming and get into how your programming is probably the thing that you keep hitting your head up against a wall when you're like, feel like something's off, I wanna do this, I need change, or something just doesn't feel right, but I really can't identify what it is. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Um, You've heard some other episodes from us in the past, but if you don't know, I'm going to tell you real quick. I'm Robin. I'm Victor. And we moved our family with five kids back into an RV in 2015. And in 2015, when we did that, we never sat down as a couple and said, hey, let's put all of our stuff in storage or sell it. Let's move into an RV. Let's travel around the world. Well, actually, let's just travel the U.S. Let's go on some road trips. Let's um, maybe travel the world. Let's just step out of the norm. Let's check out of the rat race and let's live this alternative life. No, it wasn't like that at all. It was kind of a um, psyop like it's happening right now in the world. It was like a psyop by me on Victor because I was like, guys, just my soul did not feel fulfilled in the rat race. But I didn't have such a assertive throat chakra nor a... um, harmony in my third eye to necessarily see exactly what I wanted. I just knew that I felt most happy when I was in my RV and I was very thrifty in like thinking, well, we had to move out of this house that we were renting. I love being in the outdoors. We have an RV. Hey, Victor, we could save some money and live in our RV for a few months. And then when, um, when we need to come like the school year and we should, we should be uh, more, Uh, stable, I guess, in our work and our kids' homeschooling, then we can um, look for another rental. And long story short, um, uh, we drugged Victor on a couple road trips. We kind of still home-based out of San Diego over those first five months. But on the back, coming back from the last road trip, uh, Victor kind of looked at me at one point. He's like, yeah, you're really happy. We should just keep living like this. And so we never, even at that point, like, just had a starting point, an ending point, or a goal. Now, all the stuff that we're gonna to present to you is kind of the foundation of our Reignite the Passion course. Um, my Project Life course kind of goes into some of this too, but I really think that if you're in a relationship, the Reignite Your Passion is how you deconstruct at the base layer all of these programming issues that we are going to get into now. So I'm gonna take it, let Victor take over and kind of explain like why why moving into an RV was just so stressful, why you did it, why 
you know, why you were telling yourself, oh, I'm good, I'm good, but really deep down you weren't. <laughs> I definitely was not. Now, one of the big things I want to touch on first is this whole word of programming. And, um, you know, the vast majority of our, um, of what's going on in our brain is happening on a subconscious level. And so it becomes very, very challenging for a lot of people that are having, keep, they feel like they're knocking their head up against the wall and nothing's, nothing just hap nothing's happening for me. And so deconstructing, understanding what's happening on, on the subconscious is a real, real challenge. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of what I went through, what I'm going through, how, how I'm going to put a 180 on it, what growth I had so that you can hopefully be introspective to understand and maybe give you a little opportunity to go, oh, I think I might have what he had going on going forward. So looking back at 2015, um, and when we first moved into the RV, one of the biggest programming issues that I had is there was absolutely zero, really zero travel. I hadn't even been camping when I grew up. When I, grew up. Um, I think I remember one trip to the La Jolla Indian Reservation where we slept in the back, back of our car. Uh, my parents were in a tent and that's about it. So camping was very, very foreign. Um, and so that lack of travel and lack of experience with the outdoors and adaptability. Now we had dabbled in camping, but it was, we were in our beautiful class A motorhome. We would camp long weekends, but living full time in that put me into a greater challenge than I didn't even expect. So back in 2015, when that happened, I was in a constant state of sort of adaptation. I was trying to figure out, okay, where we're going next. And because I didn't step into completely spearheading any of the travel, I was in a constant state of adaptation. Um, and that, that wreaked havoc on my, my central nervous system, which leads me to sort of the second programming. And this is this goes into trauma and um, childhood. So a lot of how we adapt to stress in the human body is linked to what happens, generally speaking, between about the ages of five and 12. And in that time, the body is laying a foundation in your nervous system as to how it adapts to stress. Now, depending on what your childhood looks like, it might have big, big T traumas or little T traumas. We all got issues. Now, mine happened to be some pretty significant traumas. Um, sexual abuse at a very young age left me scarred in my nervous system. And I didn't really realize it profoundly till I got into my middle 30s, went through a massive uh, stint of adrenal fatigue. Um, but it really came back more consistently as we we're going through as we after 2015 when we started full-time traveling and I didn't realize now that the impact and how I was adjusting was that little scared five-year-old six-year-old I would literally change from place to place and instead of feeling this invigoration of seeing these beautiful places I was like I, I was sort of like Timon and and Lion King you know you would scurry scurry sniff freeze scurry sniff freeze scurry sniff freeze and that is a horrible way to live. Not only does it hijack your brain, right? But you're never really emotionally available for the people around you. And that, if you know anything about my Enneagram, if you've listened to this, 
that is at the root and my core desire is to be needed. And all of a sudden I couldn't be, do that role. And so it was hijacking my brain because technically what ends up happening when you start getting into that stress state, that fight or flight state, it starts sending a messages, messages to your visceral organs, right? So um, you're scared, that goes down the vagus nerve, which communicates namely the big one right now we could talk about is the liver, but it talks to your large intestine, your small intestine, your stomach. Um, this is part of the reason when people are stressed, they generally don't get too hungry. And when they do, they're ravenous for, you know, this salty, salty junk food and uh, greasy stuff, fast food that's really bad for you because all of a sudden your body's coming down off of this drug, which is cortisol. Now, going back to what it's saying to the liver, your vagus nerve is stressed, it's in this fear mode, it sends a message to the liver, which then the liver has about 500 different mechanisms that it does in the human body, and it starts down-regulating and impacting those, all of those functions, namely increased cortisol, so increased more stress hormone, down-regulating, which down-regulates your testosterone and estrogen-testosterone balance for women, and all of a sudden you have disharmony in the body. And literally, I remember being in places in Europe where Robin would say, wow, that was an amazing town, what'd you think of it? I'm like, what, wait, wait, we can't leave. I haven't even relaxed yet. And that was sort of that fir my first touch into like, there's something going on in me that I need to offload. There's something, there was something going on with me that I needed to offload. Now that was the second one, pretty significant one. And the third one that I think is important is my sort of my money mindset. I have a, in the end, I have a love-hate relationship with money. And a lot of people might might have that too. First off, in general, I've encountered people that are extremely wealthy. They can never have enough, and even poor people can never have enough. So the vast majority of people have this relationship with with money. I wanted it, but I also didn't want it because that would make me selfish. And so it was very, very difficult. And growing up with some legit scarcity issues, you know, I remember very vividly um, my dad being laid off from work and things sort of getting tighter. And I remember asking uh, my mom for whether it be shoes or a treat like ice cream. I go, no, no, we can't afford right now. And she'd always tell the story, um, mijo, if I have four quarters and there are four of you, how many, what, how much do you get? I'd say 25. And so what it taught me was not to ask now, this is actually now going into potentially two programming issues because I described that I had an issue with like I wanted money and I needed money, but I also didn't want it because every in my mind, people that had a lot of money ended up being jerks, <laughs> which is ironic because ultimately when you want that money, you can help more and more people. And that's where my money mindset is now, but also associated with not asking. Right. And so uh, when you grow up with a little scarcity, uh, it can really leave a definite mark on what your relationship with that money is. Uh, for me, also, it taught me not to ask. Um, good boys don't ask for stuff. Good boys just listen, sit quietly and don't ask for anything and also help and service. And that goes a little bit into my Enneagram. So that kind of rounds out sort of the three things that I think. Yeah. And so programming plays such a huge role. But the interesting thing to me is because, you know, we've learned a lot about Enneagram and well, we've learned a lot about a lot of things. It seems like in last year, but Enneagram, we kind of dove into because it's such a simplified version of all of these other things that we're, 
we're learning about. And what I find the most interesting is that you have, like Victor had three other siblings. I had a bunch of, I had three other siblings. We have five kids ourselves. For the most part, you're like, wow, you raise these kids the exact same and yet their core desire or their programming comes out so different. And over the last year, Isabel, Gabby and I have like dove deeper and deeper into natal charts and astrology. And what I find is like the overlap is really, really interesting. And then if we wanted to do the overlap of numerology, it's, it's pretty interesting too. But in Victor's case, and, and also actually in my case, your programming ends up being like you have this, this wiring you're, bo you're um, born with, right? The stars, the energies of the planets, whatever imprint on you, these tendencies. And I can totally see it in my children when they were babies that they had, um, they, they already had different vibes to them. And right. For well, sure. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Danny writing numbers for he would. I create video games, but if you look at his papers, it'd be like, "Why'd you write numbers? These are all the percentages." What? Why? How is this a video game? He was amazing, and, and he's still that same person. And so, when you're a kid, you already have some some program. Let's say you're born with a certain uh, wiring, a certain gift, a certain let's call it a soul tendency. But what happens is you end up with a certain need that needs to be met from that. And so looking like at Victor's natal chart, he was already a little bit on the shyer, more timid, kind side. Well, what happens is parents, we inadvertently, we don't mean to, but we end up as a coping me me mechanism and possibly just because we don't ever deal with our own shit, we end up like basically a hard way to say is manipulating the, our kid's tendency. So in Victor's case, man, he's so kind, he's so giving. Well, that means he ended up becoming a two, <laughs> oh mature. He ended up becoming a two because he became rewarded for being kind and giving. He was he was already shy, maybe came off as mature because he was shy and because he didn't cause a lot of conflict. What he needed was a parent to step in and say like, hey, that's great that you're kind, but I want you to, you know, I want you to be brave and bold right, right. now. I want you to try out for this team. I'm going to support you if you fail. But what he got instead was a reinforcement of like, oh my gosh, you're so special because you self-sacrifice. Okay, and that's an important part because we don't catch that because we were, because our parents probably reinforced the op, what we were naturally gifted at, but not necessarily what we needed, it caused a huge problem. And I'm really thankful because I didn't know that when two of my kids were young, but I knew it by the time my last two were um, at those pivotal ages and I could catch them like, oh wait, Tatiana, she's a six. And it makes sense that she kind of, well, her her stars were gonna line her up for a six anyways, but it makes sense why, gosh, travel was a little harder for her. And I didn't understand being my fifth, I thought she'd be more adaptable, but she needed more loyalty. She needed more safety and security. She needed more routine. And I had to catch myself like, oh, I need to provide her that safety instead of being like, gosh, you're so volatile. You're so, you spit fire so much. You're so angry, what's wrong with you? And, but my old self would have totally, totally played that role. So let's, let's shift gears for a second. So you kind of understand how the programming happens. So 
and you probably can agree that there's some program that you're running and if you can identify what your Enneagram is correctly, then that helps give you insight to, because it's the thing that you want the most, but it's not necessarily, um, like, so Victor, he wants so much as a type two to be wanted. Me as a type eight, I want so much to control. But him being wanted and me in control all the time doesn't actually help our marriage that much. <laughs> Surprising. Um, but when I recognize that, oh, wait, I want that control. Why? What? And then we can get into to, now the chakras. Now we're going the down the rabbit hole right there, right there. That's a big one. So noticing like being able to catch why that's so important to you. If you're a type one and you're a perfectionist, being able to step back and go, hmm, something happened in my childhood that would make me that I was being told like I'm a better person when things are perfect or was it my way of um, controlling chaos exactly right controlling chaos Robin has a little bit of those tend to control can come off a little bit of those tendencies given her her family history and the separations divorces you could see very easily how she said all right forget all you I'm controlling my life. This is how it's going to And the work. reason I was so good at controlling is because it even says in my natal chart, I'm really good at analyzing. And so I'm sure from, and like kind of judging and taking in information and doing something with it, processing it. So I'm sure that was my natural uh, tendency as a young kid to be like, okay, I get the dad. I see the conflict here. I see the dad here. I see I can go do this. Um, school is really easy for me. I could throw myself into school and be the best student and, and get a lot of attention there. And so I took control, I took my strengths, used control to kind of build up my own wall to protect myself. Right. So with your programming, so let's go to back to like say RV living. That's why I'm like, RV living is not necessarily the answer. It was really good for me for personal growth. I mean, it was still really good for you, you'd say for personal growth. Yeah, it just happened. Mine felt like I got punched in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> so we're about to move back in. You know, we had a home base for the last year and we're about to move back into our RV. And it, it's really nice. It's really, really nice. Don't you think to hit the reset and like reevaluate and actually have these dialogues ahead of time? Like, hey, what is your expectation out of this? Hey, this is my expectation. How can I meet your needs? I understand Victor's needs better now. He understands that I'm not trying to just torture him by traveling. Obviously, we're going to travel slower was the like no brainer. But it's even more it's even more than just like tiny little things like you got to travel slower or I need safety and security. I need a shower, all those things. It's really more deeper than that. Yeah, I think uh, going into it, I go, okay, this is how it ended up. And certainly that's one of those lessons you can learn through experience, right? Fail forward. Boom. Fail, fall forward, fall down. Okay, get up, dust yourself out, try again. However, we can, if you think this through just a little bit, you can see how, okay, this is at your root what you need to experience on the daily. This is what you at your root need to experience on the weekly. This is on the root what you need to experience on the monthly and gradually work your way out. And then as a couple go, okay, where are we going to overlap? Yeah, so in like our uh, reignite the passion, we always say that there's five parts there's a five-step framework that happens or five elements that you have to um address but side note as from an individual coaching standpoint there's four things so i'm going to do the four first because then you can see how they apply to the five uh steps so you have to have self-awareness you really have to understand that you are an actual human being 
having an experience here because we become so detached from ourselves that we don't even realize we have thoughts. 60 to 80,000 subconscious mm -hmm. thoughts a day. 95% you don't even know. Most people I think are, aren't even seeing 2% of them. Well, we're not taught to, to even observe those things. That's why we're yeah. doing, that's why we do this. That's why we're doing this. Exactly. And so you have this element of first like, oh wait, there's more to me than my job and who I'm married to and who my parents are and these labels that I put on myself, okay? That self-awareness is first being able to realize that you are a soul, a spirit, a consciousness here, just inhabiting a body that has labels and things like that. But that's not who you are, right? You have all these, all these uh, passions and creative energies inside you. Um, and then second, you go to self-understanding. And that's really where I feel like uh, the magic starts to happen is when you start to understand like, oh wait, I see the world through these eyes. I like when, when Victor and I go out into the world, we go for a walk, my brain is going instantly <laughs> into dreams and ideas and goals and passions and his is looking at- cognitive. <laughs> well, it's part of it for sure. He's like brown grass, owl two deer oh three deer and like and so while that sounds like oh my gosh so basic but it's just he sees what's right in front of him and i see ideas way out in the future and that's cognitive function from myers-briggs but then also like oh wait i have self-understanding of like i have this core desire but i'm not using this core desire in a healthy way and i'm actually kind of making my spouse codependent by using my core desire in the wrong way that's enneagram or maybe it's like, oh, my Mercury is in Leo and it makes me seem so like loud and obnoxious. And, but really I'm kind of a quiet, soft soul who just wants to contemplate the meaning of life. So whatever <laughs> you start to find all these little pieces of you that like help you kind of dissect, like, yeah, that's kind of me. So who knows if RV living's right for you, but you have to be able to condense it down to like, who are you? What mm -hmm. is important to you? And then self-discipline. Self-discipline gets into the point of like, okay, it's a meal plan, let's say that. Self-discipline is like, one. this is the tasks I need to do. And if it was in like your life purpose, then you need to look at like, well, what's a perfect day? Or what do you see, where do you want, what exact number do you need in your bank account before you fully commit to enjoying hiking with me today? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big one because in the end, it's a little side note, I initially thought it was a certain amount and then I got to that amount and then I said, I upped the ante. I said, no, I need more. And then eventually I'm like, wait a second, I'm just going to keep bumping it up. I'm like, why don't I just accept the fact that, that the universe will sort of provide, be um, calm, confident in my, in my talents and then try to enjoy it. And that, that's, that's a tough And when he says part. that, that's all programming because yeah. he wasn't raised to think that way. He wasn't told, believe in yourself. He was told you take any money somebody can give you and think about what that tells a person. That's like, you're not very worthy. Like you should just be desperate and, and you, not to see your own values. And so that's a big thing we've worked on over the last seven years is being like, you have a gift. I mean, that's why Victor's here on the podcast always with me now because I'm like, you have such an amazing perspective of life that I want you to share. Yeah, I think one of the big things, and this is very, very important. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm worth it and you are worth it. Take a moment to just say it to yourself like, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. That is the first step, believe it or not, into 
for creating this journey is repeating mantras, these mantras, because like Robin pointed out, and I talked about the subconscious and how many of those thoughts, well, think about those if the vast majority of those are sending bad stuff to your brain, bad messages. You're like, you're unlovable, you're not pretty, you're always gonna be ugly, you're always gonna struggle, money's always a challenge, you're not smart. You know, if all those things are happening on a subconscious level, well, what is gonna have an impact, first off, on your success, and second, on your physical body? It's going to destroy your body little by little. And so the only way to do that is, is to sort of daily and, and create these mantras and have daily reflection. What does this mean, right? What does this mean? You and that's to... um, what Victor's talking about with self-worth and money. It's funny, It's they're both in your second house. So if you know where your second house, what planet it's in, um, then you kind of know what you're, what you're up against as far as what, what your framework is because Victor could say like, oh, it might be because of his programming that he had this money mindset issue, but I could also look at a second house and go, well, you probably were gonna struggle with this anyways. Um, and just because, remember, self-understanding is like, oh, that's my struggle. I think it's a gift. As soon as I know what my struggle is, at least I know the opponent. Yeah, know she the knows bow. how to draw the bow and be like, oh yeah. I'm not like you, I mean it myself. <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking about yourself. You okay. know what I mean. I'm like, I'm not that No, no, no. Okay, um, and the last is self-mastery, but self-mastery is like way down the road and trying to, um, to, to be constantly, like self-mastery is being consciously self-aware as often as possible throughout your day. Like, oh, I'm doing that thing. And, oh, wait, I need to stay focused here. Um, I think whenever I get to self-mastery, you won't see me on the podcast anymore because I'll probably chuck my phone. <laughs> um, but we have, so those are, the, that's kind of the process you take through these five elements. Now, the five things that you should do as you're in a marriage or in a relationship is Victor talked about the vagus nerve a lot and how it uh, attaches to the liver and emotions, but it also attaches to your pineal gland. At the base, it goes up to the base of your pineal gland. And so that's your third eye. That's where you can see your future. And so um, the five things, I'm gonna say really quick, it's like uh, you got a, a food to affect your hormones and to give you third eye clarity, okay? Number five is scripting. And scripting is also pineal gland because you can't script your future together. In fact, Victor and I for seven years of RV living, maybe five and a half of them, would go for walks. I, it felt like every night and be like, I just, I'm just so upset. Like you're just not staring in the same direction as me. I just, can't you just stare in the same direction? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, the, like look at the flag? Well, like, where do you want me to look? No, 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 I mean like stare out into our future together. Like, where do you want, where do you want to go? Where do you want to do? He's like, I don't know, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't get it. I and you know, I, I always think of this as you bring this up because a lot of, a lot of husbands probably encounter this or like it goes back to remember that book men are women are from venus and men are from mars because sometimes the way we communicate um that's what that book was alluding to but moreover i think it has to do more with enneagram and your personality and your core desires and as that starts to come out and you can and that's what you're talking about yeah. um I, I will say this, I think we have made significant strides going huge. forward right now. Like this is what I expect in this in this scenario. And that's a huge step for me. You know, that's a little bit of wiring as dads. Like, oh, I'm the provider. I'm a sacrifice. That That's that's my little bit of wiring, nature, nurture. I don't know. But because of that, I never use my throat to like, look, I kind of need this. I need to train 
uh, lift something heavy. I need to grapple. I need to grab someone to to get my keep me keep me balanced, right? And that was a hard one because he'll say that I need to train and go do jujitsu. And last year it was like, okay, well we've been in St. George for two weeks. Why didn't you go train? Oh well, I got another program. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that place. I'm like, wait, wait, so you're telling me you need to train, but you can only train in San Diego, but I won't go back to San Diego. So how are we going to work this out? That's scripting though. Those are like the small details of you have to look, you can't just do it as a blanket statement or a general and like, I need to lift something heavy. I'm like, well, like there's, there's a two by fours over there. You want to like go like pick them up a bunch of times or something. It's like, no, you have to communicate in a way where it's very specific what that scripting looks like. Hey, I want to spend two weeks in Lander and then in Lander, there's no jujitsu. So could we go to Colorado Springs for a week and I'm gonna do jujitsu, I'm gonna train jujitsu every day while I'm there. And we'd, I would have been like, heck yeah, that's awesome. That's a plan, that's something. Yeah. That's, that's something. But in, but in my root, I wouldn't be able to say that because I'm like, man, that sounds so selfish. I sh that goes back to another program. Yeah. Well, how dare I? I should just be, happy, I have a family, I can provide for them. Um, but in the end, it, I grow more and more resentful. And if any of this resonates, or you have like, you know, undescribed levels of anxiety and depression, that could be, that. it's a gift, we talk about that. It could be your greatest gift because it's telling you something is up. Don't just go to the doctor, because they're just gonna say, yeah, take this anti-anxiety, take this SSRI. And they're not, you're not going to get to the root problem and then you're never, you're never going to get off of it. Instead, the body's like, just gets into greater and greater dis-ease. So having an understanding of like normal levels of anxiety, I, I knew something was up when I talked um, to uh, Joe Calliohi, <laughs> a buddy of ours, Joe Calliohi. And he's like, yeah, Victor, I've had, I've, I've had anxiety too. And he's a, he's a team's guy. He goes, when I kick down the door, I'm like, Damn it. Oh God, I, I don't do that. I shouldn't have this level of anxiety. That would cause, I know exactly why you would get a little anxiety. So it just says a prayer. And, but it was, it remember slapping me in the face when he told me that story like, okay, there's something else going on greater than the current moment. I should potentially look into that. That's a perfect example, you guys, of why big T and little t are the same to your brain. Victor's brain thought opening the door in a nice French town where you get baguettes and cheese was as scary as being in um, Afghanistan knocking yeah, down a door. I'm like, or something. I knew something but, was up. But your brain doesn't decipher, Ooh, doesn't differentiate one. this, you guys. Your brain does not know the difference. And it's probably telling a story. Your brain has a negativity bias. It is five times more likely to remember a negative event. Okay, and then you have this ego that likes to get in the way and defend itself and prop itself up and make it look much more swarthy than it is. Oh, this is where we get into the queen. The queen. <laughs> denial. <laughs> the queen of denial. Oh, I was like, what? That's like the ego. That was, oh, yeah. a, little, that was a little Enneagram humor. <laughs> the, um, so your, your five things you were going to talk to your spouse about it, whether it's like, a, hey, we need to like move to blank. We need to get into an RV. We need to change careers. We need to um, pull our kids from school. We need to whatever feels off in your life. Because if you're having anxiety, it's because your body is reminding you uh, that something is not in alignment. There's nothing wrong with you, but your body is asking, making a request for change. And so food is absolute. You have to eat in a specific way. You have, like, we can tell you how but uh, not in this podcast. 
We have a specific protocol that we put people on. Um, you need to play together. What? This was a huge one for us. Like our, I was started surfing when Tatiana was um, a year. Like I had been breastfeeding her. I start surfing and I'm enjoying all these fun things outside. And, I, and I'd look at Victor like, gosh, I'm so happy. I'm so joyous in these things. Like, come do it with me, please. And we'll save that for a totally another one. We've talked about this before, but like his his root chakra was so blocked from all that programming, all that fear, that it was like the danger of the ocean was just as bad as the danger of opening the door, was just as bad as the danger of childhood. So there were so many things that, remember, your brain just wires in one way, danger, 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 and you can't escape it. Um, but there's potentiality in all of this. For and sure. This is the, more, the important thing because you can kind of get to the end. It's like, oh, man, my amygdala is broken or my <laughs> pineal gland is calcified or my chakras are all closed. But having been through all of this and working my way through the outside part of this, there's all this amazing potential. Seriously, guys, sometimes I'll look at myself and I'm like, or, or like I was in the shower, like, wow, it's like I touched my arm for the, you know, I have these moments where my, I really feel completely different in my own body. You didn't body. finish that sentence. You'll touch your arm and feel like, like you're touching it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's these weird things. And I swear I didn't do any drugs. <laughs> we keep trying to send him for ayahuasca. No, but thank you. Um, but then one time he had food poisoning and I think he like cleared out the whole hospital. They were like, oh my gosh. What's this guy's doing? So uh, you might scare the shaman <laughs> when you start puking. Okay, so I can't finish the five. So it was Sorry. food, play, 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 play. Again, we'll do another one because play means flow state, which means money pura, which means you have to step out of your comfort zone, act brave, bold, be so focused. Going for a walk on the beach does not count as play. That's self-care. It's still important, but it's too small of a step. Um, scripting third thing. Well, third thing is first is self awareness, self understanding. So get to the root of your Enneagram, understand in detail what your Enneagram grows to. How do you measure? Like I know for me as an Enneagram eight, if I can pause before trying to explain something to Victor and I'm in a good space where I can be like, okay, take a break, breathe, reword this. Okay, reword it again, that I'm probably in an okay space. If Victor's able to make a request and say, you know what? Okay, I hear this request that you need, but can I'm gonna go do this for me first because I need to take care of myself. His Virgo's really needy. And my, so- My physical kosher, I gotta take care of my body every, every day. And then the fourth one is, um, oh, I spaced out for a second. What's the fourth one? Uh, fifth, is script, fifth is scripting. Fifth is being able to see where you're headed to, not just like, am I supposed to look at the flag or the RV? Like, which way do you want me to look? No, like, where do you want to see your life grow together? Because think about it, you're like dating, it's all romantic. Like, I'll do whatever for you. I just <laughs> love you so much. And Amen. then you get like a couple kids down the road and you're working 10 hour days. And you're just like, ugh. Just, there's got to be more. Alone. Yeah, there, and there's got to be more. And just a little reflection, a little bit on 
something Robinson, that sort of self-awareness and Enneagram. And I do, we do, we do this kind of coaching with everyone and we can help you. Uh, most people do test wrong. I highly recommend you do it with a very close friend, someone that knows you if you're going to do it so that you can get into a core. Start off by looking at core desires because we can technically, technically I can see myself in any one of those Enneagrams. We're not trying to put itself, put ourselves into a box, but if you're really trying to get to the root of who you are, you need to look at those core desires more than anything else. And then I like to tell everybody, now look at the fears. Yeah. And then that way you can kind of go, okay, great. Now we got this better point. Then you can look at the wings. Um, another thing that's obviously self-awareness is like sitting in silence. Look, we've been in this society right now, we're being bombarded uh, from every which way to not connect with our own being. Remember, we're on this planet for such a short period of time. And we're really, this is just a meat sack. I sometimes get to people like, because I do work with bodies and we're like shaping them and strengthening them. But I'm like, hey, you know, you're more than this. And as long as you know that, it gives you an opportunity to, to reflect upon yourself. And when you bring a little space, sitting a little quietly, you don't have to listen to any specific, you just sit with your eyes closed and see what you think. Most people have a ton of ping pong balls going on in their head more than they realize. But the more and more you do it and you sit in silence and meditate or do breath work, the more you'll start to go and be able to organize like, whoa, I didn't know. I think of that. Like for me in my trauma, I always realize right now that my body had done an amazing job at hiding those images and feelings away. Right. So if you for any of us that have been through something traumatic, um, the body, especially as a kid um, and you end up doing what your body ends up doing is protecting you. And like, hey, this is too this is going to tear you apart. So we're going to put this down in the basement in a box. We're not going to forget about it. We'll give you a couple images here and there, but we're not going to really think about all of this. And then the more and more I do it, the more I realize like I uncover this and it does feel sometimes like Pandora's box. But once that box is open, things flow, emotions flow, but also it creates space in your body for you to be present with your family, your spouse, your friends. And I think that is a really, really important quality that, that should motivate you as either a husband or a wife or something that's going through a tough time. Like, look, sometimes you can't, as much as, as patients can, you can't get along with your spouse. Take a moment. Go reflect on it for a little bit. See if you can create some space in the body. And if you can't do it in that way, sometimes just sit and go, okay, where do I feel this, this anger and this tension? In the shoulder? Okay. Okay, shoulder. What are, you, what are you telling me? What are you telling me? That's right. And that's made me remember the fourth one. The fourth one's my favorite. I can't believe I spaced out on it. But it's, it is the chakras. We're energetic beings. I talk about chakras over and over because whatever the programming is definitely blocked a chakra point or all the chakra points. And so... Um, it's really amazing potentiality when you unblock them and they're, it's all connected. Like Victor was saying, like if you have shoulder pain and you start breathing into the shoulder and you start asking the shoulder, what are you trying to tell me? There's a good chance it's related to guilt or forgiveness. You have some form of heart chakra blockage that you have not forgiven somebody, yourself, for, you feel guilty you're beating yourself up for it there's something tied there so every single ache and pain or ailment is almost always our body communicating to us um, 
in some different way. Do, what do you think about your calf? Because Vic, the other one, I'm, I didn't put this in Reignite the Passion because this gets a little too deep. But if I work with clients, I start to look at their meridians and it gives me insight. I also can see on people's natal charts where certain meridians are going the to The meridians are associated with uh, Chinese med East traditional Chinese medicine and where the energy flow, your chi is flowing through your body. So Victor and I would always go for a run. <laughs> and remember, I said, when we go for a walk, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in a dream idea. So I was thinking, should we go to Lander first? Or should and we go she's to no different when she runs. That's exactly the same way. And Victor's just like tree, uh, coyote. Uh, he's like looking I want to, well, yeah, my oh, thing my with a run is like, I don't necessarily always want to talk. And so I'm like, let's get out there. Let's tear it up and let's be done. Instead, she's like, oh my gosh, this, that, that, that. I'm like, ah. And so every time we run, his calf would hurt. But it, it wouldn't like hurt until, like, I picked up my, my perceptive analyzing nature. It's like, wait a second, your calf only hurts when I start talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, something's up there. And I know, like, calf, it's probably related to his root chakra. And then we could, be, then I know, like, oh, meridian, it's on the kidney sometimes. meridian. And he has a kidney deficiency. And but it, the kidney deficiency comes back to the amount of stress that I'm putting myself. Oftentimes, the situation that we're in. First off, a a stress reaction from an argument with my wife, right? And so initially, I mean, really guys, like the first 10 years, 15 years of our relationship, I don't think we ever argued. And then all of a sudden I feel, um, it was really like a sucker punch to the gonads. Every time we fought, I felt like, that's it, it's over. So it's over. Of course it's not. Where Robin's like, no, 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 I, I don't understand. Like, we're just having a discussion. Um, it's no big deal. Like, I was just sparring. It's just so sparring. And I, and I always felt like, well, it's over. Let's screw this. Forget it. Um, it's so this so is why that Enneagram thing is good to know, especially for your spouse, because eights love to spar. They love to debate. Like, let's throw out some ideas. Not spar like physically. I mean, Victor would probably love it if I would just physically That would actually spar. help a lot. But I verbally <laughs> spar. Like, I like to, and not only that, my Myers-Briggs is TE dominant, which means I like to process ideas by dialoguing them to all the way till I can prove myself right or wrong. <laughs> It's really, really annoying for some people. I just, it's just how my brain works. And so, um, yeah, we would go to down that road and he's just like, I just don't understand. I'm like, no, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. This is, I'm just like talking. This is, no, I'm good. Okay. I, we said we were going to keep this shorter, but we didn't and that's okay. But hopefully um, you got a ton of value on it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we'll just take off, take off from here. Hey, I want to share with you guys something really quick before we go off. So, we have a lot of different social media platforms and we're pretty awake to what's really happening in the world. And I know there's this great shift and that's why we show up all the time is to really help people work through their trauma so you can tap into this higher consciousness and you know be the change, it changes with you. But part of that is also working towards getting to decentralized social media platforms. And so one of the coolest ones that just started, I really like uh, JP Sears to begin with, but he was one of the co-founders of this, is called Get Zion. And you can download it on your phone, Get Zion. And it's really cool because it's completely private. They don't sell your data. We're not getting making money like Zuckerberg does by acquiring all, all your information. And so over on Get Zion, uh, you can join there. It's so early in its infancy that there is a cost. I think it's like maybe 12 bucks a month to be a part of it. But anyways, we started a platform. We started a community over there and you can listen to our podcast there. You can interact with us there and they make it so the, the, the vision of it is that instead of 
Zuckerberg selling your data to marketers is it's peer-to-peer. -peer. So if you like stuff that we're saying, you can tip us there. And the tipping can be really small. In the grand scheme of things, as Bitcoin goes up, it's going to be pretty, pretty cool to see um, how that platform evolves. But like right now you join and I think you have to pay like we made it so it's I think 10 or 25 sats, which is like a penny. Relative <laughs> terms. It's like really literally a penny, but the concept I think is it's really rad. And so we'd love for you. I just just got it set up today, actually, and I'll be sharing it with you all the time. But, you know, if you don't know a lot about Bitcoin and the decentralized, I know the if you see anything on like uh, regular media, mainstream it's, media, yeah. it's like this is evil. But that is crypto really... is the devil. <laughs> no, but it's like, look, it's it's all about like it's your money. You should be able to control it how you want to spend it. Um, no one else should be able to control it, take it away, or manage it, or inflate it, deflate it. Um, peer to peer, outside, no difference. It's it's yeah. basically how. It old does school. take a little bit of self responsibility. We always try to tell people to um, if it's not your keys, it's not your money. But that's we can uh, talk about that. Uh, Gabby and I talk about that a little bit more on making mindfulness fun YouTube. Um, but we can also help you with that if you have any questions because it is going to make a huge impact in the world that we are trying to create. One more thing, guys. If you're having trouble with your spouse or your loved one, go do a contract renegotiation. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we come into these relationships with a very powerful contract and we're like, okay, these are the expectations, but they're not said. Go renegotiate, sit down like, all right, this is where we're at. What do you need? What do I need? Okay, this is what this is what I need. I was a little afraid to say it. Renegotiate, and I promise you, your relationship will come out the other side better.